Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to The Upcoming, the perfect place to catch the best and brightest on their way to the top. So, folks, this is the month of March, and just like with February, we are doing a little theme, and that is the month of sports after March Madness. So, joining me today for the first episode of the month of March uh, is a phenomenal dude who, just like me, went to Purchase College. Uh, unlike me, he double majored. He's in communication and anthropology, and he was also uh, part of the baseball team for years, folks. And he's a huge sports guy himself. Also, now he has moved his skills in sports to advertising with FCB, one of the top advertisers out there. So he's here to talk about you know, his journey, uh, his love for sports, his time advertising, everything he's learned here on out. I'm sorry, everything he's learned from here, from then to now. And yeah, let's just get on to it. Ladies and gentlemen, the phenomenal Lewis Carvel. How's it going, Lewis? It's going good, Jonathan. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here and uh, let's get into it. Let's just go into it. So, Lewis, in the upcoming, I always allow my guests to interview them or to introduce themselves. Yeah, introduce themselves after I've introduced them. So, please tell us in your own words who and what exactly are you? That's a loaded question right there. Um, I mean, I would say, like, you know, I'm. I'm someone that's going to give 100% in whatever I do. And I think that that's something that I learned at a young age when playing baseball. Um, and I kind of feel like a lot of the lessons that I've learned from baseball, I've kind of translated um, over into, you know, school and now work, you know. Um, I graduated in 2023 and now I'm working in my first job and learning something new every day. But the only thing I could say, you know, that keeps me kind of grounded is always to do everything at 100% and, you know, kind of live every day like it's your last, as corny as that sounds. But, you know, um, you know, it's the truth. That's how I that's how I always try to approach it. All right. Put 100% in everything you do. Live every day like it's your last. That's, that's a big motivator, man. <laughs> but let's just uh, take us all the way back, Lewis. Like, where'd you, when you first started on this journey, how'd it go? Like, did you want to initially, like, start doing, like, be, like, professional um, athlete when you were growing up, or was it something else? Yeah, I mean, I've always, you know, every kid has the dream of, uh, you know, making the major leagues one day if they're uh, if they starting out at a young age playing baseball or, you know, in any other sport. They're like, you know, I want to make the NBA, the MLB, NFL, whatever your sport is. I feel like that's always the, the goal at a young age. Um and as you get older, it's interesting to see how that dream changes for everybody because it be starts to become really tough at, at every age as you get older to kind of narrow down your focus. You have so many different distractions on, you know, going out, partying, uh, alcohol, drugs, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, there's so many different distractions that kind of weed out the people that really want it the most. And that's where it's going to really get, it gets tough. It's tough. You know, that's why the major leaguers are the 
best of the best. You know, they're the people that are going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And this, I know this firsthand because one of my best friends at a young age um, is now the shortstop for the New York Yankees, Anthony Volpe. So me and him grew up together and we're still very close, but I got to witness, you know, him develop as a person, um, both on and off the baseball field. And at a young age, he was always better than everybody, you know what I'm saying? But there's a lot of kids that eight years old who are better than everybody, but not all of them are making the major leagues. That's the difference between, I think, watching him develop because he's someone that's, you know, he he knew what he wanted. His parents pushed him and he stayed the course, you know, and I think that for me personally, I, I, I love that for him. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't, you know, I, I you know, up until I would say maybe sophomore, junior year of high school, I really, I think going division one for baseball was the only thing that I really wanted. Um, and that's what I was kind of going for. But college was always the main, the main focus for me. I never really wanted to play professionally at that age because there's a lot of reasons why, but I'll finish what I, I'll finish, uh, what I'm trying to get to here. Um, I, up until about junior year of high school, I was trying to go D1 and that was my only goal. And then I actually got hurt. So that kind of took me out of the game for about eight months and it kind of put everything else into perspective, you know, outside of baseball. And it kind of forced me to really take a look around and say like, you know, what else do I enjoy like outside of of the sport? And it forced me to kind of like, you know, come to terms with there's more to, there's more to life than baseball. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy with going to purchase. I feel like it was the best thing for me, both academically and athletically too. So, you know, I'm very happy with how things played out for sure. Lewis, when you brought up um, getting injured, it made me think of all the pro athletes who, you know, inevitably like, get injured and have to sit out a lot of games. And I think to think they're on just such a like fast moving track to suddenly just get hit with this sudden stop. It's I imagine for some, it's kind of depressing because they want to keep going, but they're just being tied down by this. Uh, how, how do you see like how those pro athletes must feel in those times? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you work so hard um, on a day-to-day basis to kind of keep your body in shape, uh, work towards a goal of, you know, performing as best as you can. And, you know, in a matter of seconds, you know, it's all taken away from you, depending on, you know, how bad it is. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, injuries are a huge, are a huge part of the game in every sport. You know, it's not just baseball, but... Um, you know, people don't also think of baseball as a big injury sport because it's not a contact sport. You know, if you look at football, you can, it's easier to say like, oh yeah, people are going to get injured every second and you are, you can, it's easy to see why someone would get injured in football. You know what I'm saying? And baseball is, it's much more like, it's, it's very, they're very tedious injuries. They're not going to be like big collisions, you know, rarely there's big collisions in baseball. Um, you know, it's more about body maintenance and that's why it, uh, it, it's, it's more, it's more frustrating when you get hurt playing baseball because it's, you know, it's not something that you are expecting as much. No, it's basically, you could just like start running towards a base and accidentally like, you know, twist your ankle or something. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to a teammate of mine in college. He stepped on first base the wrong way and he tore his ACL and then he was out for the whole season, you know? And you spend all that time working so hard to just be on the field. And in a matter of seconds, it's taken away from me. It's, it's the worst, you know, it is. 
I was lucky enough that after I got hurt in high school, I was never hurt again. So um, I'd had lingering effects in my elbow when I would throw the baseball. Like I could always feel it a little bit in the elbow. It was hurting me all the time, but uh, nothing that kept me off the field. I was I was always going to play through that if I could. That must have brought that lingering effect. I can imagine that must have brought like so much like anxiety to you as you were um, playing afterwards. Cause just that fear of what if it happens again? Well, yeah, there's uh there's that anxiety. And then, you know, one thing I learned very early on in college um, playing baseball and, you know, um, I learned this from my coach because he had to be really straight up with me, you know, back in high school, I was more worried about, you know, hurting myself again. And, you know, if, I felt something in my elbow, I would take myself out and say like, you know, it's not worth getting hurt. But in college, it's a completely different situation because you are now on a team with 30 to 35 guys and everybody's trying to take your spot. So, you know what I'm saying? You have to fight for every inning that you get to play Um, because, you know, if you're not out there, somebody else will be and they're going to be, you know, they're going to be doing their all. They're giving their all and, uh, doing what they can to stay on the field, you know? So if you feel pain and this is what my coach told me, which may or not be the best, may or may not be the best advice, but it was the truth. Um, said, you got to play through the pain if you can, you know, that's the truth. Um, because someone out there is going to be taking your spot otherwise, you know? So, um, you have to be able to put up with a little pain for the larger reward. I feel like sometimes, and that's what it, that's what it had to be, you know. Um, mm. I was lucky enough to earn a starting spot on that second base for a purchase um, my junior year. And I was the captain of the team my senior year. And, you know, and I feel like that that little message that I learned early on um, kind of kept me going regardless of what was going on, you know, with my body. If I felt a small, small injury happening, I was going to play through it. I didn't want to lose that spot. You didn't, you know, you pushed on and then you became captain of the team. That's a huge accomplishment, man. Yeah. Three, uh, and it was three of us together as co-captains. So that's also another interesting part about it was, you know, um, working in and out with them on a day-to-day basis to try to make sure that things are, things are aligned and, uh, moving in the right direction too. But, um, good man. But, um, while you were in purchase, you know, you were double majoring and in a uh, in a sports team, so a lot you know required your attention. And you were still just, you know a regular guy who you know wanted to you know just do regular things. So where did you find? How were you able to find that balance with so much responsibility? I feel like honestly, it's really about understanding how you feel in the in the moment. And I try to like again, it sounds corny, but I mean it's it's that's just how I try to and manage it. Like. If I know that I'm feeling a certain way, I'm going to do I'm going to do what I feel like I can to make sure that I get as much done as I can um, based on how I'm feeling. If I'm in a good mood and I feel like I can get stuff done, I'm going to do it. But I have to be honest with myself. If I'm not in a good mood and I just don't feel like doing anything, I'm going to rest. I'm going to relax and I'm going to enjoy my time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if you put the pressure on yourself and you're not feeling good, that's when things start to go wrong because then you start you know, compiling a little bit, you know, on, on stuff that's, you know, may or may not be as big of a a focus as it should be, you know, um, at the end of the day, um, if, 
I feel like I was always pretty, I'm still pretty honest about how I'm feeling with myself and self-aware. Um, so I try to, I try to, uh, do whatever I can based on how I'm feeling. Mm. Yeah. Which you brought up a good point. It's just knowing when it's time to just rest and just replenish because we're living in a time now where hustle culture is very much a thing where people will tell you, just keep pushing, keep working towards it. And I see, you know, if people don't do as you do, like, you know, just stop and rest, then there's, there's burnout. There's, you know, just stress coming on. There's people just really breaking down and what you're doing. is just like, no, just relax for a second. But you had to have seen that or people just, just, experiencing full-on burnout from just putting so much stress onto them huh oh yeah and i'm you know i'm a victim of that myself you know what i'm saying like i do that you know and that's why i need those those deep breaths and the time to you know the time out and say like you know i need it you know that's at the end of the day you need that that time out to kind of gather yourself take a deep breath and say you know if i'm putting too much stress on myself how can i relax for however long it is and uh, attack it again in a different way. That's not going to put as much stress on myself because at the end of the day, as much as, as much as work, the grind culture that you're talking about, you know, that's huge, man. I agree. I'm fully on board with that. That's not it. It's understanding that that's not always the most important thing. You know what I'm saying? It's very important, but there's things in life that are way more important than that. And my, like, you know, family's important. Understanding, you know, yourself is important and your your mental health is huge too. That's a huge part. Um, sorry, I don't know if I can curse on here, but... Um, Say it. Yeah, I mean, it is a huge part of it. Um, so, you know, I think that there are more important things to, to life than the grind culture, even though that it's a, it's a big part for sure. Yeah. Random question, uh, Lewis. Are you someone who's, um, you know, done or been interested in like therapy or like doing any of those uh, little sessions for mental health? Yeah. I mean, I've had my own experiences with it for sure. Um, you know, there was a point in my life where I was, I was talking to someone and I feel like at first I was like, you know, what is this really going to do? Um, you know, it didn't really seem like it was worth it to me in the beginning, but, you know, I said, at the end of the day, I was trying to prove them wrong because my naive like self was like, you know, what are they going to tell me that I don't already know? Like I was just being stupid, you know, and, uh, you know, it really did help me, um, kind of understand that, you know, some like, you know, there's times where, you know, there's things that people may think that they're like, you know, I'm the only person that thinks like this. And why do I think like this? Um, but then you say it out loud and you're like, you're not, you know, you're not alone. Everybody thinks like that. Uh, well, not everybody, but you know, other people do. That's the thing. Like, you know, everybody's around to, you know, help each other out. And I'd like to think that, but that's not always the case, but you know, I'd like to think that, you know, everybody's always looking out for, you know, everybody in the best way that they can. Okay. There you go. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about as you uh, graduated uh, purchase and now you're time to move on to your careers. What were some of the, I know you had to been thinking a lot of like where you go from here. So how'd you find uh, those answers? So I was lucky enough to have um, both of my parents be in advertising. 
And they, you know, sitting around a dinner table every night talking about, you know, ads is not a normal, you know, conversation to have at the dinner table. But somehow that's, you know, where I landed in this world. And, uh, you know, I think that it's tough because I didn't always know that I wanted to be in advertising. And I still, do, you know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of doing it and uh, seeing where it goes. And I'm very happy with what I'm doing. So I'm lucky enough that I am happy. Um, but yeah, no, I have a ton of other interests that I thought beforehand that maybe that would be better for me. I had interest in finance. Um, I had an interest in music. Um, I've also done graphic design. Um, so, you know, there's a, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like even though I'm in advertising right now, who knows where I'll be in five years to 10 years and, you know, maybe I'll do something down the road and something else. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's, it's important to like kind of, while you're focusing on your main job, it's always important to have hobbies on the side and kind of just, you know, fine tune those along the way, just in case that you really want to, you know, pursue that one day as a main thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You, I just I thought to myself, you could be doing all three of those things you mentioned, you know, working for Wall Street, selling merch you create and on the side being like the lead singer of a band or something. It's, yeah, man. And I feel like I'm also lucky because I live in New York City and that's one of the only places in the world where that's really possible. You know what I'm saying? Like that's... um there's so much to do here and there's so many different interesting people you can meet on, on a daily basis. And, uh, you never know what could happen the next day. And I, even this week, I've seen that in so many different forms. Um, you know, I've had, you know, I was out the other night and I just happened to start talking to these people at the table next to me. And all of a sudden, you know, he's, I go, to the, I go to the guy, I go, you know, what do you do? And he's like, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a band, you know, I play guitar and I go, Oh, like, you know, what, what, what's the name of the band? He just, he's like cage the elephant, you know? And I'm what? just like, how, like, how does this shit, ha how does this shit happen? Just, you know, it's so random how things it's, it's, it's weird how the world works, but you know, New York is one of these places where you can go out, sit next to someone and you'll never know who it's going to be until you start talking to them. I'm sorry. You met the guitarist with, for cage, the elephant. Yeah. The guy's name is Lincoln Parrish. Um, he was, he was, uh, he was in the band, I think until 2014. And he goes to me, he's like, yeah, I was in Lincoln and, uh, I was in Cage the Elephant, but I only worked on like three first albums that they put out. And I'm like, those are the best albums they put out, man. Like, you know, like I was listening to them last night. Like I was, like I, I was not blind to them. I was like, dude, I was literally listening to, you know, the albums last night. And he goes, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you saying that. Like, that's what everybody says. And I'm like, it's no one needs to say it. It's just like, it's common knowledge at this point. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, like me and uh, it was like me and Matt, the lead singer of the group he just like me and matt just like sat down and wrote ain't no rest ain't no rest for the wicked in like 30 minutes and i was like this is some shit that like you know you really don't get in other places so um, yeah i yeah. my gosh yeah i love that um one song uh they put out um i love that song uh social cues that's like one of my favorite songs right there of course, man. they've got so many hits. You know, they're one of my favorite bands for sure. And just yeah. happen to, you know, get into a conversation and that happened. So, um, have you been able to see them in concert yet? I haven't. No, I haven't. I'm like, 
I'm bad about concerts, honestly, even though, you know, recently since I've gotten out of college, I've been going to a lot more, uh, but it's like, it's mostly house music and, and uh, EDM. So All right. those, those environments are a lot more fun in my opinion. Uh, all right, then, all right. Then. But, you know, that was an interesting uh, shift to go from sports to advertising, though the two go come pretty close together when you think about it and just how much uh, money the two can make off each other. I mean, just look at March Madness, you know, with the NCAA. They get a ton of their money from ads. Uh, in any case, when you started on this journey in uh, advertising, what were some questions um, that you were asking yourself? So... You know, this is really, this is going to sound even funnier now at this point, because um, I've talked about my life in baseball already. And so FCB New York, um, they had the New York Mets account, right? We work on the New York Mets advertising. And so I saw that and I was like, who, you know, where I saw them. So for context, I'll start even further back. Um, the New York Mets put out a Super Bowl ad in 2023. And I watched that. I was like... You know, huh? Baseball team, Super Bowl ad. That's interesting. You know, why? Why is that happening? And it was a pretty good ad too. Um, so you know, I was drawn to it automatically just because. Um, and I figured out who did it, which was FCB. And um, you know, I just happened to be reaching out to people because I was trying to. You know, I wanted to work in sports and advertising too. Um, so. I kind of narrowed down my focus to the agencies that had big accounts um, in the sports world. Um, and it just so happened that they were looking for an account person um, on the Mets on the Mets account. So I, I happened to get the job on, on the Mets account and we worked on some really cool ideas in the fall. Um, and now, you know, I'm still on the Mets on the Mets account. We're working on the Mets advertising, but um, it's mostly shifted personally for me. And now I'm mostly working on Michelob Ultra and Budweiser. Um, I'm also doing work with Hyundai as well. But I would say, like, it's very funny for me as someone who's grown up in baseball to get lucky enough to work on the New York Mets account as my first account out of college. Like that's, it was a dream, honestly. And it's still, you know, it's surreal. That's, that's, it's perfect. Really. It it could not have been more perfect. That's, that's, it's, it's pretty surreal to me for sure. It's gotta be. Even though I'm a Yankees fan. So that's (laughs) (laughs) still, that's, that's good enough. Yeah. Um, but in advertising, you know, it's I know it's a, it's a lot more complicated than uh, people um will assume it is. So, you know, you had to learn a lot, I know, as you were starting out. And I know you're still learning uh, as you go along. So, you know, what are some of the most complicated um parts of uh advertising? You mean as a whole or like for for my role personally, like where I'm at? Sure. Let's go for your role where you're at. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can speak to that a little better. I would say just because like, you know, I'm, I'm still learning about the whole agency. I mean, the whole world of advertising. So, um, I would say like, uh, that's a good question. I mean, I would say like making sure. So my role is that I'm an account, I'm on account management. So that's my duty is to kind of be, a liaison between the clients. So for me, that's working with the New York Mets, Hyundai, 
Nikola Voltra, whoever, whoever that I'm working with at the time. Um, and working with them and then the creatives internally on my side, we have to make sure that we're speaking the same language as the clients, right? At all times and understanding that, you know, they're looking for something and it's our job to tell them if we feel like we can make it happen or, you know, be completely honest with them and say like, you know, maybe we should focus in this direction and, you know, move this way to make it a much better product at the end of it. Um, and then on the other side, you have the creative, the creative side who, you know, they'll come up with ideas that are great ideas. You know what I'm saying? They're all great ideas, but, uh, you know, and sometimes we'll have to say like, yeah, this is a really good idea, but it's not what we're looking for right now because, you know, the clients want this, this, and this, and that's our goal here. So I would say it's mostly the hardest part about what I do is keeping everybody on track to you know make sure that the product that we put out is as best as it could possibly be um that's what i would say is on a day-to-day basis is kind of you know making sure that everybody's aligned you know that's really all it is is you know keeping keeping people on track and making sure that everybody knows um you know the right way to move around uh move around and you know kind of make sure that we're executing as best as possible Wow. So I imagine you're on your toes a lot. It's a lot of, um, imagining, I'm imagining a lot of like attention to detail and a lot of like just staying up to date. Um, but you've got to, uh, still be able to do a lot of like collaborating as well and a lot of, um, a lot of teamwork too. Uh, being on a sports team, I know that's, um, it's, Fair to say you're a team player, but, uh, you know, working with the um, people you work with, uh, what are some things, uh, that you've learned from them that you could never forget? Um, at, so, I mean, even playing, I'll start with, you know, the college baseball team that, you know, cause you know, as, uh, even though it's not technically a job, it's, it's, you know, it kind of, uh, kind of like it takes on the role of one when you're doing it on a day-to-day basis. And I would say that, you know, it really all started from, it starts from there when, you know, you're with 35 other people, you're all working towards a common goal. And uh, I would say that when you do pretty much everything together, you kind of, you know, start to, you know, form a brotherhood. Um, That's what it really was. And, you know, that tight bond that you build on a day-to-day basis um, through baseball and, you know, sports in general, um, it really does translate into the the corporate world because you know how, if you're a part of a really good team, you know, not every team is really, you know, as tight as we were, I would say. Um, you know, if you're a part of a really good team, you're able to translate that over to whatever you do in a corporate setting when you're working with another team there because you know how success operates. Um, you know, um, it's for my senior year um, at Purchase, we happen to have the best uh, the best record in program history. Um, we had our best team in program history. Um, we made it as far as the Purchase baseball has ever gone in the playoffs. And that is something that was kind of unthinkable because we hadn't made the playoffs in 10 years um, before before that. And so there was this always, for my first three years of purchase, there was always this, you know, looming 
looming, uh, you know, kind of cloud over everybody's head, um, you know, about how, you know, we haven't made the playoffs in six years, seven years, eight years, nine years. Like, you know, it's, it's, it starts to build on itself and turns into something that, you know, everybody's thinking about constantly and it puts a pressure on you. And, um, like I said, and we finally were able to get over that my senior year. Um, and we not only made the playoffs, but we made it. We were one win away from making the championship, too. So we had to win two games to even get to that point um, in the playoffs to, you know, say that we were one win away from, you know, make having a shot at winning the whole thing. Um, you know, we took down two better teams than us, you know, in the playoffs. And that all came from the family, the bond that we had off the field. Because if you don't have that bond off the field, um, there's no way you're going to ever be able to work together well on the field. Um, you, you can be the best players in the world. And, you know, look at the Mets from last year. And, you know, I'm going to shit on the Mets, even though I work, you know, I do their advertising right now. But um, they had the highest payroll in history. They had these guys who are, came in and, uh, you know, kind of were expected to win a ton of games. And they ended up losing a lot. And they were forced to, you know, blow up the team and trade people away. And it didn't work out, you know. So that just kind of goes to show you that um, I feel like understanding, you know, who you're working with, building a connection with them on a personal level, that's always a key to kind of, you know, have success at whatever you're trying to do, like whether it's in the job world. Um, for me, it's like, you know, making a campaign. If I don't enjoy the people that I'm working with, you know, you know, speaking to them, then I'm not going to make good work with them. You know, that's just how it is. You know, you you need to, you know, you need to put, and if you do have differences with someone, you got to put that shit aside. That's just kind of how it has to be. If you really want to make uh, the best work possible or best product possible. Yeah, have a good bond off field. So you guys have to work better in field. That's, yeah, it's a shame when um you know, good people who just are really, who just put their best in their jobs, cannot get along, cannot just bond, and it just messes up everything. So there's always just, not just staying professional, but also staying, you know, respectful too. Respect yeah. plays a huge role in everything. Totally. And, so, you know, not everybody on my team, um, on, you know, I purchased liked each other. It's just, you know, not everybody's going to like each other. That's a part of it. But, you know, if there are, you know, disagreements or fights, you got to wake up the next day and say, well, at the end of the day, I'm still working with this person. You know, I'm still doing this. You got to put it, you know, you got to put it aside if you really want to, you know, continue to progress and move forward. You know, I had to break up a ton of fights, you know, within our own team, you know, even though we're as tight as we possibly could be, you know, that shit happens, um, you know, when you're in the thick of it. So. That, that ideal to be to have to be the one breaking up fights no, that was my role last year though and it wasn't that fun but i had to three first three years it was fun but how do you um see see your role in advertising like you know evolving um going forward like to where you know you t you might be taking on bigger projects or bigger responsibilities like just how do you see how do you see your role right now going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. And that's something that I like to think about myself a decent amount. And, you know, I don't know if I have the answer to that, really. I mean, I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. 
um, which is account management. Um, and I think that for now, I'm planning on, you know, continuing that path um, to kind of, you know, work my way up to an uh, account director, um, group account director. You know, those are the top, you know, top positions that I could possibly work up towards in the agency world. Um, so, I mean, I would say that that's probably my main goal. And if I'm lucky enough one day, I can start my own agency. You know, if I, you know, if things work out and, you know, I uh, continue on this path and, you know, but I'm also, like I've told you before, I uh, I feel like I'm also pretty, pretty involved on the creative side too. You know, I, I love, you know, the creative world. So um, I did a whole graphic design campaign for a political candidate down in Virginia, actually. Um, so I did their yard signs, logos, uh, t-shirts, all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, that's always something that I like to, you know, do on the side, but who knows if, you know, if account doesn't work out in three years from now, will I want to, you know, shift focus? Who knows? But, um, I'm enjoying what I do for now. Yeah. Amazing. You did graphic design campaign. Please tell me a little bit more about, about that, because that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, so uh um long story short, I had a friend on on the team at Purchase who was from Virginia and his father was running for office and he was he was looking for design help and you know graphic design help and he knew that I I kind of worked on that type of stuff and he's seen what I've done and you know he he liked it enough to kind of recommend me um as someone that they might want. So I put together um, a pitch, like a sales pitch for myself. And, you know, I showed them, here's 10 ideas for logos. You know, I put together a whole deck of stuff. Um, and, you know, it it just, he happened to really like it, you know? And uh, he, it's funny because I put together a list of 10 different ideas for this logo and, you know, how I wanted to make it work. 10 separate ideas. The first one that I made was the one that he went with and the one that he liked the most. So I could have literally just made that first one and have been done with it, you know, at the end of the day, but you know, you want to present as many options as possible. But, uh, um, I, yeah. And for a long time, because they're in Virginia and it's, you know, so far from me that, you know, I don't really think about it that much. Um, I would make the logos and, you know, the shirts and whatever, uh, the designs for them and I would send them off and someone else would produce it down in Virginia. And that was that, you know, I would, you know, move on to something else, but I was able to go down there for election day this past year. And, uh, you know, once I got down there, I could see how real it was. Um, you know, there's signs everywhere, like on highways, streets, you know, houses have them. There's people wearing shirts. Um, you know, that's when it was pretty cool. You see bumper stickers everywhere. Um, that was another big one. And, you know, it was, it was really cool to see how, you know, how much of an impact that it was having, you know, in a community that I don't really know too much about, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm just there as a visitor, but, you know, I'm, I was very happy to see that the impact that I was able to, you know, help contribute to. Um, but yeah, so that's uh that's my little spiel about joining the political world for a few months <laughs> that is cool you know to be able to 
design science shirts, everything, be able to contribute something that big, uh, freaking political campaign. Uh, would you do it? Would you do it again? Would you do graphic designs for another uh, political candidate? Yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely would. I had a great time doing it, honestly. Like the the process was fun, even up until election day. You know, I'm, you know, I didn't have too much of a uh, contribution to the actual like write ups and the messaging. Um, you know, for like you know speeches and stuff. So I wasn't really involved on that front or anything like that. But uh, I had some friends that, you know, did help out with that. And, you know, it was cool seeing how, you know, because it was really a bunch of, you know, kids running the campaign and we did a pretty good job. I mean, we didn't end up winning, but, you know, the, the difference is um, we had a 13 percent. I think it was a 13 percent increase in voters on that side. So, you know, what I'm saying like the vote, you know, it was like this before and then it became a lot closer. So that's all that it really in a day, I feel like that's a, it's a good sign, you know what I'm saying, for what we were doing. I mean, you know, um, it shows that you had some sort of impact for sure. Definitely does. Yeah. So, hey, who knows? Someday soon you might be end up doing graphic designs for, you know, a presidential campaign, you know? You never know. You never know. But, you know, I'm open to it. If any uh, president is looking for some design help, for sure. Yeah. There you go, man. There you go. And so through this crazy, um, weird journey, you know, you've been doing, you've been balancing, um, arts and business. So creative and business, uh, endeavors. And so you definitely have listed your love for, you know, the creative side is, and you've mentioned, you know, your interests in, uh, music and everything. Random question. Is there by any chance, uh, any instruments you play? So I used to play the trumpet back in middle school. Um, I was actually in a school band and we were one of the better bands in, in New York City. Um, you know, I, I just happened to go to a, you know, it's a, uh, a small school called Wagner. It's actually not a small school. It's huge. It's a, uh, it's like, you know, it's a public school on the Upper East Side here. Um, and one of the things that they had, there was a band program and it's, it was pretty well known for it. And at the time I was like, uh, sixth grade, I was like, who wants to play the trumpet? Like, you know, that's, that's, you know, like I was being stupid, but, uh, I, I, I did it anyways. And I was like, I had a great time and it was like, you know, something that I enjoyed the shit out of, honestly. Um, and I had an opportunity to go to LaGuardia to play LaGuardia High School, which is another big feeder from LaGuardia to purchase a lot of like, you know, dancers, actors, they're all, you know, big pipeline from there to there. Um, and somehow I ended up going to a different high school and I still ended up at purchase. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, I didn't really feel like continuing with the trumpet, but now I'm mostly, I produce, um, house music, EDM. Um, I used to be into producing rap beats. Um, I still do sometimes. I had, had a few different rappers use some of my beats and that was pretty cool too. Um, and that was, you know, nothing really huge, but, um, it's still cool nonetheless. I feel like, you know, to see your name on a placement for, you know, a song that gets put out. Yeah, it is, it is pretty cool. Well, man, I have a few more uh, questions for you. First one, just going through your journey from sports to, you know, advertising to, you know, graphic design and music. How would you 
how would you define your um your path how would you define the journey you've been on um that's a really uh it's another one that i'd have to think about for a second i would say you know it's it's fucking ups and downs man like it's never it's never this way let's just say that you go up down up down it's gonna be that's what really you know i feel like that's what makes it it you know i'd much rather have the up and down journey than a fucking boring trajectory and it's never going to be like that you know what i'm saying it's it's uh you need to have those life experiences those moments where you're you know kind of looking at yourself in the mirror and asking, you know, why the fuck am I doing this? Because if you're not doing that, then you're fucked. Honestly, you know, if you don't question the shit that you're doing, then, you know, how are you going to continue to move on? In my opinion, you got to always, you know, question, what can I be doing better? Um, You know, even though it's also important to kind of be accepting and, you know, know that whatever you have around you is, you know, is great too. Um, and, you know, be appreciative is, you know, another thing, but, um, uh, it's tough to define the journey that I've been on in one word for sure. I don't even, I don't know if there's one word to define it for sure. Um, but you know, it's, you know, it's a lot of different complex fucking tree branches. I feel like that, that happened here. So, um, uh, so yeah. you've really just. It's come down to why am I doing this? It's a constant question of why am I doing this? And there's an answer like I'm doing this because it's like always important that you have those questions and you have those answers. Otherwise, you're stuck and yeah. you're stuck in a very terrible, boring little world. Yeah. And, you know, it's fine. You know, like I'm not trying to sit here and say that, you know, everybody has their own their life. And, you know, I'm just, you know. I tell you how I live my life, you know, and everybody has, you know, the right to do what they want to do. If I, I have friends that, you know, enjoy, you know, you know, sitting around smoking, smoking weed all day and, you know, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you know, I've done that too myself, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not the fucking end of the world, but, uh, you know, if they enjoy if Pete, as long as you're doing what you enjoy, that's really all that fucking matters, honestly. Um, because if you don't enjoy what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and you're also fucked, um, that's another key to it in my opinion um you know once you start you know losing the enjoyment that's when you really start after asking you ask yourself like what am i doing you know and you know sometimes the answer is you know i'm doing this and it's gonna suck some days but i do love it and there's other times you're gonna say i'm doing this i'm not enjoying it and i don't love it and that's when you really need to you know take a step back and say i need to kind of you know switch it up um so that's Mm -hmm how i look at it that's that's good man that's good now i just uh have one more question for you yeah yeah this is a bit of a random one but i really been curious about it this whole time we've talked who is in baseball who is your dream team <laughs> uh well i'm a yankees fan like i said so uh that's uh I would say like the 2009 Yankees as someone who grew up in New York city, um, you know, being surrounded by a culture where, you know, Yankees kind of rule everything here, you know, like that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, the Yankees are the greatest sports team in, in, uh, in sports history. I mean, you know, championship wise. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what's up? If you could, um, but if you could take, um, players from different teams and put them on the Yankees, what would you who would you pick? 
now we're getting deep here. Let's think about this one. Um, I would say catching wise, I'm going to take Johnny Bench. I'm going to take Johnny Bench. Um, shortstop, Jeter. I'm going to keep him there because you know why not? He's he's deserved that. Um, uh, like, dude. Even just thinking about it, like you know, I could sit here and say the best, the best players from every generation. I could say you know my favorite players from every generation, but I just I seriously think that the 2009 Yankees team, like as a whole, you know, as a group that worked together, I did a project on them. Actually, a purchase. I literally did a fucking project on them. Um, it was I. I don't know if you took you took this class too, but it's called group collaboration. It was like what what did you major in? I majored in creative writing and minored in economics. Okay, okay. For some reason, I thought you were a comms guy. That's why I'm asking. But um, um, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, sidetrack that. But you know, um, so the back to the original question here. I would say that you know, looking around, you know, Alex Rodriguez, very controversial figure, but he's still one of the best best players of all time. Uh, you know, he's came very close to hitting 700 home runs, which only three other people in the game have done. Um, Derek Jeter, Robinson Cano is one of the best second basemen of all time. Mark Teixeira, great first baseman. Jorge Posada, you know, he's one of the better catchers of all time. And then at the end of the day, you know, you come into the ninth inning, you have Mariano Rivera, who's the best closer of all time, you know. There's, it's hard to poke any flaws in that. And they also were able to win the World Series. So you look at that and you say, you know, you have one of the best lineups of all time and you have the best closer of all time, um, you know, and you're, you won. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't, you could put the best players on the team. And if you don't win, then it's all for nothing. But those guys were, you know, some of the best and they got the job done. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I uh, that's kind of how I think about it. Cool, man. And you know, I love just that absolute dedication and just all you have for the uh, for the Yankees because they are they're huge. It's one of the biggest teams out there in the MLB. Um, but honestly, I feel like we could go all day talking about the Yankees <laughs> and. Uh, we it's, can easy go all it's easy to for sure especially yeah. when you uh you grew up in you know this environment here you know <laughs> exactly the beautiful new york but um that being said ladies and gentlemen that is it for this episode of the upcoming i want to give just a big thank you to lewis carvel for coming on and telling us everything he has to say thank you so much lewis Yep. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. And it, uh, it's been a pleasure and I had a great time. And, uh, you know, hopefully if you want to have me back at some point, I'll, I'll talk to the, about the Yankees for the whole time. Because that's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. There's, there's an idea right there, but yeah, that's it for this episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at the upcoming podcast. And also be sure to follow us on threads too, on, uh, for the upcoming podcast and, just uh, follow us wherever you get your podcast, people. We are, yeah, we are wherever you'll find us. And be sure to tune in for this next episode of the upcoming. We've got more amazing guests like Lewis. We've got just more 
just more fun coming along, people. And so with that being said, good night. Thank you for tuning in to the episode. If you like this, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast, and also be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter at the Upcoming Podcast. And also just stay tuned for the next episode later down the line. Best yet to come. Take care, everybody.